Ciao, ciao, ciao. Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode six, Friday night, September 21st, and this is going to be a really quick episode. I'm just going to jump right into the card for this weekend for college football week four and NFL week three, and that'll be it. Really quickly, though, we've already had more people enter the Doggy Juice Challenge this week than last week, so good luck to everyone that's already given me your plays for the weekend. Just another quick reminder. I posted this week's NFL lines for the Super Contest that I play in on my Twitter and Instagram accounts at Doggy Juice. All you got to do is pick your favorite five plays against the spread and send them to me either on Twitter, Instagram, or DM, or text or email me. And if you go 5-0 and on those plays, I will Venmo you $25. That's every week this football season. We got 15 weeks left. Um, just make sure that you send me your Monday Night Football total score tiebreaker in case more than one person goes 5-0, and so that, that'll be how I'll decide that. I really hope someone goes 5-0 and this week. It'll be really fun if someone won uh, this early on. And also to clarify, if you're thinking that this podcast is something that is going to make you get rich quick or all of a sudden go on a tear and start winning 90% of your bets or even 70% or 60% of your bets... You are mistaken, and I am also very afraid that you are going to be in for a lifetime of donating your hard-earned money to the bookies. My goal in this podcast is to teach people how to become a sharper better and find value. And I, I will give out some of my plays, and I'll try to lead you down the right path, but my aim in doing this is to try and teach a man how to fish. All right, so let's get right to it. Starting with NCAA football week four. On the podcast on Wednesday, I said that USC minus three with some extra juice was already in pocket. I played that earlier in the week, and we saw the line move up on that one up to four and a half um, earlier on tonight. So hopefully some of you got down on it when it was at minus three and a half or even minus three with some extra juice, but hopefully we cashed that ticket tonight. That game's actually about to start right now and i'm recording this so we will see how that goes um on wednesday's podcast i also mentioned that texas plus three and a half at home was a potential play um mainly because tom herman the coach is incredible against the spread as an underdog actually his last 22 games as a dog and this includes his time as offensive coordinator for ohio state his last 22 games he's 21 and one against the spread as a dog so that's pretty strong stuff. Um, but having said that, I think this matchup is really good for TCU tomorrow. They typically only struggle against higher-powered offenses like Oklahoma, and Texas Texas is definitely not that. I did take out a small slice of the plus 3.5 um, when it was at 3.5. Now it's at 3, so I'm not going to be adding on to that, and I would really only recommend that play if it was at plus 3.5, and, and I might even get off part of it if I think that things might get away from me from me well after the game starts, um, and live betting. I also mentioned on Wednesday's pod that I'm likely going to refrain from betting against Alabama this season uh, for the rest of the year, and that was only a half-truth because remember what I said earlier on in an earlier episode, Joes bet teams and pros bet numbers. And the numbers say that the line moved way too far in Alabama this weekend. They're playing against Texas A&M, and they're laying 26 now. And for me, this actually grades out as a lay 17 and take 24 points scenario. So this would actually call for a play on Texas A&M according to the numbers. 
But since I am reluctant to bet against Alabama for the reasons I said in the last podcast, Jalen Hurts coming out in the second half, and they just have their second and third stringers are better than most teams' first stringers, and that's putting it lightly. I'm going to be reluctant to play against them. But if it gets to 28, I'm going to have to pull the trigger on taking the points at Texas A&M. And if, and if it gets to plus 27, which it very well may, I might play a little bit less on Texas A&M at that number. I also mentioned Kansas State on the road at West Virginia on the last podcast, um, with the angle being West Virginia had their their week off last week with the hurricane, so there might be a little bit of rust going on. But it's also a rest versus rust scenario, and after looking more into the team news in West Virginia, it looks like they're pretty focused, and I, I think it's going to be less of a rust and more of a rest factor. So I'm going to hold back a bit on that Kansas State play that I said. I said if it got to plus 17, I'd be firing away on Kansas State. I might nibble a little bit at that price, but that's a little that's a little high right there. One play that I may make though is Michigan State on the road if it gets down to minus four. I'm seeing some minus four and a halves and minus fives out there right now, but this is a good opportunity to stress that we have to be patient. There's so many games on the board, so discipline is key. So I'm going to wait, and if a minus four pops, I'm going to put some Michigan State in pocket. But if it does not, and they're on the road at Indiana, I'm not going to be playing them. It's a lay four, take plus ten spot for me, and I'm going to wait on that number. If it never comes around, I will not be playing it. I have this power rated around minus seven and a half, and after adjusting after adjusting for home field, so you're getting through that touchdown. So and I like the spot for Michigan State. We've seen. Tom Izzo's team starts slow the past few years. They had a bye week last week to figure their shit out. They're coming off that loss at Arizona State, and they're playing at midnight on their body clocks in the middle of that game. So we saw them in the second half kind of fade away, which is predictable if you're able to figure that out in the live betting. But they've had a week to figure their shit out, and I like them going on the road in Indiana, but I'm looking for that minus four in order to make a play. Um, And also, like... Really quickly on that, Michigan State, their run defense is really good, and they're going to force, I think, the, the Indiana quarterback, who's terrible, to to throw the ball. That's part of the handicap as well. In terms of another play I want to look at, I'm considering fading LSU this week. This is a classic sandwich spot for them. They're coming off a huge emotional win on the road, beating Auburn by one point. So this is a classic letdown spot scenario for them, especially since it's a, it's a sandwich game and they have Ole Miss next week. So they might be looking ahead to next week. They're playing Louisiana Tech at home this weekend. And right now that line's at 20 and a half, but I will come out and bet on Louisiana Tech probably if it gets to plus 21. I think there's good value there. And LSU is not really a high-powered offense, so I think we get a scenario here where if they're up 14 to 17 points near the end of this one, they will be more than content just to run out the clock and, and look forward to next week against Ole Miss and get out of the game unscathed. So... That's a good angle for that one as well. Moving on to the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Actually, it's a game I'm going to be at tomorrow night in Iowa City. Right now, Wisconsin is laying three points, and I, I was really looking forward to getting Iowa in the plus six, plus seven range because that's where this one was actually aligned in the, in the look-ahead lines. But then Wisconsin had to go out and lose outright to BYU last weekend, and now the Lions hit on to plus three. I, it actually opened at plus three and a half, and if someone got down at that number, they got the best of it now because now it's down to three. But that line is correctly lined for me, especially when you look at Wisconsin coming off a loss. Wisconsin under coach Paul Christ, they are 7-0 and against the spread off of a loss. And Iowa, they may well win this game, 
But and I, and I hope they do. But in terms of line value, this one it just got away here. However, I do think there's value on the under in this game. It was at 44, 43 and a half earlier today, but then money did come in on the under earlier, so now it's at 42 and a half, 43. But oftentimes on big national TV night games, when there's a lot more public money involved, we see an uptick in the total right before kickoff because there's so much public money on the over. Makes sense. Joe Public bets what he wants to see, and that's more points. So sometimes you'll see an extra point or two on the total on big games like this, and I think that might be the case tomorrow with Iowa and Wisconsin. We might see this one trickle back up to 44, and I'll get in play there, and I'll get in play for more at 45. So if it does get to 45, I think that's very good value. Whenever Iowa and Wisconsin play, it's a very smash-mouth-style game, battle in the trenches, and I think we're going to see a lot more of the same this week as well. The past few years since Wisconsin switched to a 3-4 defense, Iowa has had a really tough time putting up points. If you look at their points-per-game output against Wisconsin since that happened, it's not a lot, so I think we got that going for us. And if Wisconsin is forcing Nate Stanley to throw the ball, kind of like the unders chances there, if this is a slow ground-and-pound type of game, which we usually see with these two teams, I think there's there's definite value on the under if you can get it at, at 45 for sure. Plays that I do have in pocket already. I've got Baylor minus 7. You might have to get a little extra juice to get that to 7 because it's 7.5 everywhere. I, I got it at minus 117, and if you shop around, you can get less juice. And also Ohio on the road at Cincinnati getting 7.5 points. I think this one's good as long as you get plus 7.5 or better. It was plus 8 earlier, and I think anything above 7.5 is good value. I also lean Mississippi State getting less than 10 if you're, or sorry, giving less than 10. Uh, right now that's aligned minus 9.5 on the road at Kentucky. Uh, I have this power rated over 10 points, about 12.3 to be precise. So we got a little bit of line value there, especially under that key number of 10. And as always, I'm going to be shopping lines. And if a number does come in range, I will fire. And if you want to stay posted on some of the plays I may make or some of my best bets, follow me on Doggy Juice on Twitter or Instagram for any last second plays tomorrow. Moving on to the NFL. Before I jump into the actual games, there are some very interesting statistics that I ran into when I was doing some research this week. 28 of the 32 underdogs so far have covered on teasers. So that just goes to show the parity in the NFL and just how close these games have been. Also, another interesting stat, coming off of a tie, NFL away teams are 0-13 straight up in their next game. And this makes logical sense because they came off a longer game that ended in a tie and now they have to go out and travel on the road the next week. So we will see if the if the Packers make that 0-14 this week since they're on the road at the Redskins. All right, so let's get to the games, starting with Chicago Bears at the Arizona Cardinals. I touched on this one on Wednesday's podcast that the Bears on the look-ahead line just a week or two ago were laying three points, and now it's six and a half or six, depending on where you shop. That's just a clear overreaction. I know that the Arizona Cardinals have looked absolutely terrible to start this season, and the Bears won last week, and their defense looks impressive. But for a low total game like this, like the total's at 38.5 right now, 
asking the Bears to win by a whole touchdown is really tough. I mean, asking Mitch Trubisky to do that on the road, especially in Arizona with a sneaky home field advantage, that's that's just too much. So if this one does get to seven, there will be sharp buyback. Any professional will take that. I don't think it will get to seven, but I'll definitely be putting money on the Arizona Cardinals if it gets to plus seven. I will be betting a little bit at plus six and a half. I already have a little bit in pocket. Can't fault anybody for taking that at all. And I know it's a leap of faith taking them, but that's just pure line value. And a home game against Mitch Trubisky at, at quarterback uh, on short rest, that's just a good spot, I think, for, for the Cardinals, even though they're tough to bet on. One that I really like, another underdog, the San Francisco 49ers this week. I already have them at plus seven. That line's down to plus six, plus six and a half now. But I think if you wait around, you might be able to scoop up a plus seven or at least plus seven with a little bit more juice. I really love this play. It's a classic spot where you're going up against a 2-0 team in Kansas City who's impressed. And I, I've not to take anything away from Kansas City at all this year. They've looked incredible. They've won two very difficult games on the road against very good teams when they were underdogs. But at the same time, we're talking about a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes, who's only in his third game now after taking over the helm from Alex Smith. And when you just look back a couple weeks ago, the Minnesota Vikings were laying the same number, actually even less against the San Francisco 49ers. And power ratings-wise, I have the, the Vikings ahead of the Chiefs by a couple points anyway. But when you look at that with the Vikings' home field advantage, and Kansas City's no slouch in terms of home field advantage, but when you compare those two, is Kansas City really a better team than the Vikings? This is an overreaction, and this is going to be a high-scoring game as well. So given that high variability, I think that there's – I wouldn't fault anybody for trying to take some San Francisco 49ers money line in this one just because there's that many more outcomes, and a lot of those potential outcomes are the 49ers winning outright. So I have 49ers plus 7 in pocket. I think it's a great value play. I have it lined around – four so getting a few points of line value there and i'm also going to take out some 49ers money line for a little sprinkle sprinkle moving on to the next one i got what am i going to do okay indianapolis plus seven on the road in philly and i know on the last podcast i said i leaned philly but i did a a little bit more digging here and now that indy is getting a full touchdown if you shop especially if you wait till sunday I think there's good value on taking Indianapolis at plus seven. I'm not as confident on this one as I am with the 49ers, so I'm not going to be playing it for much uh, because it is, in terms of spots, not the best spot because Indy did win on the road last week at Washington, so it's kind of a letdown spot. Not, not an ideal situation to be betting on Indy. Having said that, the Colts coach is Frank Reich, and he was the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator last year. He left the Eagles to coach Indy to take over their head coaching job and Carson Wentz is coming back this week so I think this is a classic spot for a little bit of rust uh, on the offensive side for for Philly they got Wentz coming back he's got to get his timing down and real game speed you can only get that down by playing in an actual game so you have that rust factor and he's going up against the guy who was his offensive coordinator last year so who knows him better than Frank Reich so I don't think right now the line is actually priced like once it's going to come back and, and the Eagles are going to be firing on all cylinders. So I, having said that, I actually like the under even more in this one at 48 or better. I've already put some 48 under in pocket. It's actually 47 everywhere now. I still like it at that number, but for less, of course. 
and pay attention to this line. If it gets back up to 48, I think that's that's great value. And along the same lines of liking Indy getting the touchdown, or at least considering firing on that one, I think that if you diversify the portfolio with some Philadelphia Eagles team total under, at, if that hits 28, definitely play that. Less for 27 on Sundays. So we'll see what that number ends up at. Um, so I already said the Wentz rust angle. And for that under, another angle I like for the under is the Colts are more of a short passing type of team with Andrew Luck right now. You've seen Luck air it out a little bit more to start the season, but not as much as he used to. Their bread and butter right now is the short passes, and all the big play receivers for the Eagles are banged up right now. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of big plays on this one. So as long as we avoid a defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown, I think this one, the under on this game at 48 is going to cash with relative ease. On the flip side, there's an over that I like and I've already played on. And we've seen a little bit of market movement, but that's uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at Carolina. I took the over at 43. I'm seeing some 44s and 45s now, but I definitely like it at 43. The Carolina secondary is brutal. And if you look at a tweet from Warren Sharp at Sharp Football, who I think is a great follow, um, he made the point that last week the Panthers secondary was so bad that Matt Ryan had a 68% success rate and went four for four in the red zone with four touchdowns so there may be value on the Panthers overs for a while especially after week one when we saw them play a slow-paced run-heavy Cowboys team that might have skewed the the statistics for the Panthers for the season so far moving on to the Baltimore Denver game I have this power rated where the line is right now but the intangibles might favor the Ravens here the Ravens have longer rest they played in the Thursday night game last week and Denver's at 2-0, and, oh, and it's always a good angle to take. One of the best angles in the NFL is Week 3, taking 0-2 oh teams against 2-0 and oh teams, and Baltimore is obviously not 0-2. Oh they're 1-1, one one, but they're coming off a loss, and they have that extra rest, and Denver's 2-0, and oh, and looking like they could be overrated if you see, like, Oakland almost beat them, and Denver had two home games to start, but they almost lost both of them. Miami at home versus Oakland, laying three points. My numbers actually lean Miami in this one, but this is a classic 2-0 versus 0-2 spot, so I think I'll be staying away from that side there. I actually lean the over in this one as well, depending on the weather, so that's something to keep in mind. It might be a good look to take the Miami team total over on this one. And an interesting stat I came across, Miami's quietly 9-1 in Ryan Tannehill's last 10 starts. 9-1 straight up. Very interesting, under the radar. I touched on this one in the last pod, but I have the Chargers plus 7.5 in pocket. That line's 7 now. Um, I think this is an interesting one, the battle for L.A. There's less of a home field advantage for the Rams than you might think. They have less home support, and the Chargers will be sleeping in their own beds, going about their normal routines. So I think there's less home field advantage here. And although that might be baked into the line a little bit, I think this is one where I just... There's two, two and a half points of line value on the Chargers here, so I stuck them in pocket and definitely lean them still getting a full touchdown. The Seattle-Dallas game, I'm passing on that one, but I think there's an interesting trend to note for this. The Seattle Seahawks coming off back-to-back road losses recently are 6-0 and straight up and against the spread at home. So you can't underestimate their home field advantage. They have the best home field advantage in football, a full four points according to my ratings. All right, so finishing up with our last few games here, the Minnesota Vikings at home against the Buffalo Bills. And this is one of the biggest spreads you're going to see all year. The Vikings are favored by 17, 16 and a half. For this one, I really like the idea of looking at playing the live under if Minnesota goes up early. 
especially if they start going up big early in the game. Um, they are going to be traveling on short rest to play in Los Angeles against the Rams next Thursday. So they're going to be looking to get out of this game unscathed without any injuries. So if they have a nice lead in the second half, they're just going to run out the clock. And I think that'll be a great opportunity to catch a live under or a second half under, assuming that they have the lead or a comfortable lead. So that's something to, to keep in mind. And also in this game, we have an opportunity for a correlated parlay. I touched on these in the first podcast, but the spread is 17 and the over-under is about 41, 40 and a half. So the spread is about 40% of the total. So you can get a nice advantage here on the payout if you can get down on it. Most uh, websites or sportsbooks won't let you parlay the underdog and the under here just because there's too much of a correlation. Obviously, if if the game goes under the total, there's so much more of a chance that the Bills are going to cover that massive 17-point spread. But if you can get down on that or for a small amount even without going noticed, then that's a great opportunity for an advantage correlated parlay. Um, the Sunday night football game, the Patriots visit the Lions. And I know I said in the podcast earlier this week that I – was going to take a look at the Lions getting a whole touchdown at plus seven, but that is no longer the case. I've done my research here, and there's some eye-popping stats on the Patriots. And on top of that, the Lions have some injuries on defense, so I'm gonna, it's going to take a few more points for me to get on the Lions, which we're not going to see. But simply put, Belichick does not really lose coming off a loss, and the Patriots are very motivated coming off that double-digit loss to the Jaguars last week. Belichick, off of a loss of 10 points or more, and it's happened 27 times. The following week, he's 21-6 and six against the spread. And to further isolate that, when they're coming up off an upset loss, when they're favored, like last week against the Jags, when they're favored and they lose by 10 or more points, Belichick's 14-3 and three against the spread the next week. And on top of that, he's, they've played in, the dome, in a dome 20 times, and Belichick's 15-5 and five against the spread in domes. So all of those lead me to think that I'm not going to be playing on the Lions on Sunday night. But I do like the under in that game. It started up at 46 and then moved up to 53.5. So if you're trying to play the over on that game, you are late to the party. But I'm looking for Detroit to run the ball early and try and set the tempo. This one could go up in flames if the Patriots go up early. So I think it's better for a live betting opportunity. But I definitely lean to the under in that game. And then quickly, Monday night, I touched on this one the podcast earlier this week, but I think the Steelers have value, and there's also value on the under in that game. I have under 55 on the Monday night game in pocket. All right, that'll do it. Remember to get your five Super Contest plays into me before noon Central Time kickoff on Sunday. Otherwise, I'll be back early next week with our first ever guest on the Doggy Juice Pod, a true degenerate. I'm looking forward to that one. Good luck on your bets this weekend, everyone. I will talk to you soon. Doggy Juice out.